there, my name is Alicia, and I'm originally from Poland, so hence my accent. I am a nurse practitioner specialized in mental health and also a social worker. I wanted to start this podcast so that listeners like you can get an inside look into the life of a mental health practitioner. Our goal with this podcast is to discover our naked truth, and we're always discovering that, and help you discover yours. And I'm Sophie. I studied psychology in college, and I'm super passionate about mental health. I produce the podcast, and I provide Alicia with lots and lots of questions. Hey, Alicia. How are you doing? I'm doing <laughs> splendid, as always, when we chat. Awesome, awesome. So this episode, I'm super excited because we're going to be talking about trauma in the body. Um, and this was kind of inspired by the book, The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma by Bessel van der Kolk. Hopefully I said that correctly. And um, I'm just super excited because I feel like with therapy, everything is very like mental. You know, you're talking about what, what happened. You're talking about whatever. You're just, it's like a lot of talking. And I feel like the body is almost neglected, at least for me. And I've been reflecting a lot on that recently. So... I'm curious how you suggest like people work through trauma deeper than at the mental level and how we can get out of fight or flight and enter rest and digest. Boy, you really thought about a lot about it. <laughs> yes, I have a lot of questions. And you do have a lot of questions. <laughs> but before we get into all that good stuff, we have a listener's question. So I'm going to read that for you, Alicia. Hi, Sophie and Alicia. You can call me Alex, she, her. I'm moving to a different state for college without my boyfriend of almost three years. I want to continue our relationship, but I'm worried I will be missing out on something if we stay together. I feel like everywhere I look are signs that I should break up and be single for a while, especially on social media. I don't feel there's anything wrong in my relationship, but I can't stop thinking about whether or not I should be single for college. Thank you for reading my question. Love your podcast. Aww. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Alex. Yes, thank you, Alex. What do you think? Hmm, there's so many ways to answer this, but, you know, uh, which Alicia do you want to get today? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, my drawer is full of um, dildos, <laughs> so I'm going to say they're moving away. Sounds like you're very young. Yeah. Buy a few dildos, go to college and think about it. Do you want to use dildos or do you want to use guys? I'm sorry. Right. I can't I can't or I can't girls. talk about it. Or girls. <laughs> um well, I I think I think that there's some hesitation obviously. She's moving away, right? Mm -hmm. Alex is moving away. Uh she is debating do I want to be with this boy long term? Do I want to break up and explore? Um I always think that when in doubt, when you're feeling that way, then that means you're missing something in the relationship. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't have to be anything huge. It could be that you're really attracted and you have good chemistry and you have great conversations, but something is missing. And maybe that's just the phase of your life that you're in. Yeah. So when you're in doubt or sort of struggling with that question for yourself, it's almost like how long will you be questioning yourself and how long will you be able to stay loyal to that person if you already have d these doubts? And wouldn't it be better to resolve any type of doubts or explore other relationships before you 
become very serious in your current relationship and maybe think about marriage. Mm. So it, it's almost like rather than going into perhaps long-term relationships with these doubts and, and uh, lost possibilities for other relationships, maybe you just need to explore now so that when you're contemplating whether you want to get married, you will have that out of your system. You will already be past that exploration phase. Right. So I guess I'm... I'm I'm thinking that it sounds like Alex still wants to explore. She's still uh, missing, feeling like she's missing out on other relationships or options. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that it would be better to explore for the time being and, and be single for a while and see what happens. But it could also be very different once, you know, today you're feeling this way because you're around that person that you love and they are with you and you hang out with them and maybe you even feel suffocated a little bit. But then once you move away and you're by yourself, you might suddenly start missing them and you won't be able to think about anybody else other than that person. So mm. so I think it's kind of a process and, and you kind of figure this out as you go. Yeah. I actually dealt with similar situation. Oh, cool. So what did you, what did you end up doing? I wasn't in a serious relationship before I went into college, but I was kind of involved with this person. And then once I got to college, I mean, honestly, it was a bad fit to begin with. And this sounds like they don't sound like they have a bad relationship or anything, but I mean, whatever I was doing wasn't per like amazing, mm -hmm. but I literally told him like, Hey, like, I think I need to just like explore my options and take a break. Yeah. Um, how did he take it? He cried a lot, <laughs> but I shouldn't laugh. But it, it, I mean, honestly, no, I should laugh because, <laughs> because he just, he wasn't, he wasn't the best. And he was very just like, everything's on his terms. Like it was almost like I couldn't ask to see him. It was always too much. But then if I pulled away, it was too little. It was a mess. Hmm. So, I mean, I feel like it's, it's almost easier to break something off when there's a very clear and obvious issue but it's hard when there isn't. Very and true. And because then you feel guilty. Why am I walking away from a relationship? Maybe you really get along. Maybe, you know, and that's how it was in uh, my relationship with my ex-husband. You know, there was nothing wrong with either one of us. Mm -hmm. And he simply just fell in love with somebody else. And then it was hard for him to walk away from me because he kind of doubted himself and felt guilty and, and, you know, and I would even ask him, why are you walking away? What's wrong? You know, like, what, what can we work on? How can yeah. we fix it? And sometimes you just don't have that feeling that you, you need, that you want to be with this person. And I think that's what it was for him. So sometimes you're in a relationship and it's wonderful for, you know, for me, it was 10 years. And then something happened for him where he didn't feel that he needed to be with me. Uh, some authors out there in books and, and people even will say that we grow as human beings and sometimes we simply, you know, our soulmate, we meet our soulmate, let's mm -hmm. say we get married or we date someone and for that time being they're your soulmate because you're learning and you're growing. But there's a point where maybe you're past that relationship, it's mm -hmm. no longer stimulating, you're not growing anymore, something is stagnant. Yeah. And once that happens, maybe there's still nothing really wrong with the relationship that you can say, maybe nobody's hitting you, nobody's screaming at you, yeah. you know, financially, maybe everything's fine. It's just there's a feeling where you're no longer fitting into that relationship. Mm. And that's hard, like you said, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just hard because there's nothing you can 
nothing tangible, you can say, oh, this is why I'm walking away. Yeah. And that's, how I think, how it was for him and for me. So I would always mm -hmm. ask him, like, what's wrong with me? Like, what did I do? And he would try to give me reasons. And I think that would only make things worse because I don't think there was really one reason. It was just, just sort of he felt maybe that he outgrew the relationship or, you know, sometimes you develop feelings for other people. Not that you ask for it. You just develop feelings that might be so strong that you just can't stay with that one individual that you always felt good with, you know? Right. So. So I guess what Alex can do is be very clear with her partner if she decides to leave him. Yeah. Um, that it's not anything to do with him, but rather it's just a very pivotal time in her life and she needs to. That or, or she can, you know, sometimes when she has these thoughts he might have the same thought. So sometimes you just right. start a conversation and you say, hey, you know, what do you think about taking a break and just seeing how college goes? You will be here, I'll be there. And maybe he will be open to uh, to both of you guys taking a break and then and maybe stay friends. Later, or or rekindling later. Or just being friends. Later. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely easier said than done. But definitely. But yes. In a, in a uh, <laughs> hypothetical world of yeah. world peace, this sounds like a good answer. But but with this little bit of context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With well, the little bit of context we have, it doesn't seem like it's like an unhealthy relationship. So hopefully it won't be toxic and end up yeah. being Yeah. And, you know, crazy. and it's so <laughs> funny because I'm laughing about it now. Yeah. But, you know, when my ex-husband sort of said, you know, hey, I kind of need a break and, you know, yeah. let's separate and let's move into two different houses. And, and I was like, huh? Huh? Yeah. Huh? We're married. We can't do that. And, you know, and now thinking about it, I think if if both of us would get a break and realize that, you know, there's so many people out there in the world. And when you find that one person that mm -hmm. you really get along with, you know, people go after what they what they call passion. Mm -hmm. And I completely understand. But at the same time, when you go after what passion is, what's going to happen when that passion is over? Right. So what do you have? So if this relationship meets the criteria of a good relationship for Alex, mm -hmm. because she's so early on in her life, she may not realize what a wonderful relationship it is. Ooh. And she might walk away from something for exploration purposes and then never be able to come back to that right so sometimes oh. people people are at the beginning of their life and they find this awesome relationship but they walk away because they want to explore because they don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> right and either you'll find out oh maybe it wasn't as good as you thought or it was really good right but i mean the good thing is there are other people in the world there they there are and no matter what you do you do learn yeah so if you look at life not as my Seriously. purpose here is to be married or have one partner or 20 partners you just look at it as learning mm -hmm. and if your purpose is to learn something then no matter who you're with even if you're single or even if you have different girlfriends boyfriends whatever it is mm -hmm. if as long as you're learning then i think things are okay yeah. And living within your heart, you know, within your uh, within your truth, so to speak, because if she leaves and they didn't talk about it, they didn't discuss this relationship, you know, taking a break kind of a thing, mm -hmm. then maybe she starts sort of cheating on him or starts dating somebody, but she never has this conversation with right. him. She might feel 
not honest or like she's shady with him, right? And even if she doesn't think that he knows about it, she will know about it. And mm -hmm. once you start feeling shady within your own heart, yeah. then you're going to bring that bad energy into every relationship. And you're going to mm. also then feel paranoid that everybody else is lying to you because you're lying now. Oof. So, so That's I think, a whole other right. podcast. So, so it's just kind of like living within your truth. What is your truth? If it, if it means, if there's a desire in your heart where you feel that you need to explore other relationships and you want to walk away, then that's probably the answer. And just having this honest conversation with someone saying, listen, I'm 20. I know we're in love or, you know, we have a great relationship for the last three years, but I'm 20. I would like to see what other relationships feel like. I mean, if the guy says, no, you can't, or else we're breaking up. I'll never talk to you again. Oof. Well, that sucks. Well, that maybe, sucks. Maybe you shouldn't be with someone who's that <laughs> stressful anyway. <laughs> or maybe, you know, maybe you really need to explore. And if you don't explore, then you will feel forced into a relationship and you will always carry yes. that grudge. So, yeah, you'll become you know, resentful and that's not fair. No, to so. anybody, to yourself or the mm. other person. So, mm. you know, I think you have to go at the end of the day, you have to not go with what I say or what Sophie right. says or what your boyfriend says. You have to go with what your gut feeling is. Mm -hmm. And you have to maybe even journal. Sit down, journal pros the answers for yourself. Pros and cons. And, and then decide. Maybe, maybe you don't want to make a decision today, but maybe once you move, you will have a clearer idea of what you want. Or maybe not. So take yeah. it by, day, by, day, by, by, yeah. day by day and see what happens. Yeah, and don't let, I mean, it's, again, easier said than done, but don't let social media convince you. Like, maybe take a break from social media so you can hear your own thoughts because it will get in your head. Well, and you well. know, you know, and, and so, so that's that's a great thing that you just said. You know, social media can get into your head and think about what the model of love and relationships has been over the years, right? Mm -hmm. So we used to have this big you know, forever love, kind of, you know, wait for your loved one, keep waiting kind of a thing, uh -huh. very romantic uh, picture, you know, and people would, would write letters to one another. And and that was before, but that was in a completely different time where you, exactly. would, you would not have like 2,000 Facebook friends. You right. would only know people in your town, right. et cetera, so. Well, and yeah. now you, you have more freedom and, and people can do more things and date mm. more people. And it's easier maybe to lie, but it's also not easy to lie. And so that's why I think it, the best thing to do is decide what it is that you want. I mean, and if right now you're feeling like you just need to explore and meet more people and figure out what, who it is that you want for a partner, I don't mm. think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. You know, I, I think if I had more opportunities to date prior to my marriage, I probably would had would have had a better idea of who I wanted as a husband. Okay. And so now basically I don't want anybody because <laughs> now I know that that person doesn't exist. But <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it, yeah. But if you don't have too many opportunities, then you can't know what you don't have. So it's like just explore, I guess, before you... I think college is a great time for exploration. Yeah. There's so many people. Why why feel tied down to one person yeah. if you can explore? I mean, I don't I don't but also I don't want to shit talk people mm -hmm. who decide to stay with one person because sure. a lot of people do that and they say they're completely fulfilled. So well, I, I don't 
relate to that, but well, and so like I don't know how long your your parents have been married or they they have different relationships now. So my parents they mm. just celebrated their forty uh, third anniversary mm. of marriage, Congrats. and they you know they still argue and they still you know get things done together and you know and uh, they get along. Yeah, and sometimes they don't, but they made it together for forty three years. Yeah. Which I think is an accomplishment. I told my mom she needs a medal for that. Oh <laughs> yeah, but it's beautiful too. You know, yeah. it's it's. Uh, I think trying to find your perfect person is noble. That people will go out there and have the courage to keep looking for that one person. Mm-hmm. But then also the people that get married and stay together for years and years. I think that's noble too. There's no perfect answer. I think it is. It's whatever works for you, yeah. and as long as you don't have reservations and. And um, reservations and, and regrets. I mean, and regrets. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you get married and then for the rest of your life you're gonna regret, you know, that you didn't no, that's date miserable. other Don't people. Don't do that, right? Yeah. And in college, there are so many people, so I think it's a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and who knows, you might find someone else in a year into exploring and and maybe that person will not be perfect match maybe yeah. you will not get along as well as you do with your current boyfriend but maybe there's going to be something else the passion that that people want in their relationship mm-hmm. so right. or maybe you uh, you finish college and you decide that this first boyfriend was the best thing ever and and you will try to rekindle things like yeah. you said so we're going to take a quick break but we'll be back in a minute to talk about trauma and the body and we're back. So to start off this topic, um, I wanted to read a quote from The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body and the Healing of Trauma by Bessel van der Kolk. I'm continually impressed by how difficult it is for people who have gone through the unspeakable to convey the essence of their experience. It is so much easier for them to talk about what has been done to them, to tell a story of victimization and revenge, than to notice, feel, and put into words the reality of their internal experience. Our scans had revealed how their dread persisted and could be triggered by multiple aspects of daily experience. They had not integrated their experience into the ongoing stream of their life. They continued to be there and did not know how to be here, fully alive in the present. So that quote was really interesting to start off. Translate into human language. (laughs) Right. So, okay. So basically... What are you getting out of it, I guess? I think I think he's basically saying that it's so easy for us to just use words to talk about something but to re to like feel where that is in our body to to really understand the depth of what happened which is so hard and scary like who wants to relive the internal feelings of that and 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 uh face that head on like that that's just not happening no we're not we're telling a story we're not feeling it and acknowledging the essence of it and I guess he's saying you know because of that we um the people that they I guess they did brain scans of them mm-hmm. they, uh, it, they were still being triggered and just daily experience yeah so just staying in fight or flight all the time so just talking about it isn't enough Right. So just talking about it is not enough and it's not pleasant to talk about it so a lot of people will avoid that process but mm-hmm. then the therapy part that that can happen for someone, the healing part of it is to talk about it and then notice 
where that pain or where where the trauma triggers us, where in our body. So that's why it's so important to to be connected with what is going on in our bodies. And How do we do that? By by noticing and being self aware. So you can you I mean you can do it now. Let's let's try it. Okay. You know. Um, Notice how your body is feeling right now. Just observe your body. And this normally would happen. Somebody is sitting, they might be relaxing, and you would ask them, you know, do you feel any tension, any pressure? Do you have any pain? So basically noticing anything and everything in different body parts. I can tell I need to pee. Okay. And the jasmine tea <laughs> has me a little buzzed. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. Um, Definitely feel the the urge to fidget a lot, and and I'm resisting. And it. then you would ask yourself, "Where's that coming from?" So you would be asking. So you'd be going deeper and asking yourself, "Where is that fidgeting coming from? Is it just the need to pee? Is it not feeling good enough? Is it there's other pain in your body?" Is, so you just kind of yeah, you just keep going into it. Mm -hmm. I know that was a very surface level. Um, Thing that I said, but no. So um, I'm I'm yeah. noticing you're um, already judging yourself for <laughs> giving a good answer. <laughs> yeah, because I I, I don't want to make it a joke. Like it is a very serious. It's it's just hard. Like I I don't know if I want to go into like where I feel my trauma in my body, but I I probably is what I need to do. I think that if you wouldn't care, I think this it, it, you know quotes are good because yeah. they give us something to think about, but. But going through the process of what it's like, I think that can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to use all of the different experiences, but you can pick one yeah. and we could just discuss that one. And we can do it with me as well. I can, I can talk about something that I feel in my body. But first, I would like you to go and pee because now I feel your discomfort. <laughs> it, have, it came out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> so topic of the day is trauma and the body. And Sophie found this uh, awesome quote, and I want to read it just one more time because I think it's important to get it piece by piece. Mm -hmm. I am continually impressed by how difficult it is for people who have gone through the unspeakable to convey the essence of their experience. So the author is absolutely surprised and, and amazed at how difficult it is for people to talk about their trauma. It is so much easier for them to talk about what has been done to them to tell a story of victimization and revenge than to notice, feel, and put into words the reality of their internal experience. So... So it's to notice, feel, and... Yes. And put that, the physical aspects yes. into words versus just saying, this happened... And so this yeah. is this is what happens in therapy a lot. When yeah. you ask someone about their history of abuse, mm -hmm. it's it's like you can get to people to say what happened. They might be able to describe sort of the factual things that happened. Right. But it's very hard for them to notice how their body feels and to notice how that experience is still impacting them today. Yeah. So... The interesting part about this quote is the guy says, our scans had revealed how their dread persisted and could be triggered by multiple aspects of daily experience. They had not integrated their experience into the ongoing stream of their life. They continued to be there 
and did, that, did not know how to be here, fully alive in the present. So it's like people that went through trauma are still stuck back in the day whenever that happened. They are not exactly existing today. Right, because they continue to be triggered by things. Triggered by things. But also unaware of that. And they failed to integrate. So he calls this the integration of that experience. So they mm -hmm. failed to integrate that experience into their here and now. They're How just, do you do that? What, is, what do you So mean? I think this is, you know, and if you read the book, then, yeah. then he's going to talk about it. But yeah. basically, it's not enough just to talk about it and recall the facts. Right. It's like you have yeah. to go through therapy to understand the depths of what happened and how your body is still impacted by the, that trauma today. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you have to go through the process of therapy to heal from the trauma and then eventually integrate it. So in a way, accept what happened mm. in a more productive way, um, in a way that wouldn't be re-traumatizing you. It wouldn't still trigger you. You would sort of accept you know, these bad things happened and make them a part of your life, but not in that traumatic way, I guess, what I'm trying to say. I'd like to share so that I mm -hmm. could be kind of an example because mm -hmm. talking about it versus doing it, I feel like is very different, mm -hmm. especially for me. But so I was thinking about this. Um, I'm trying to think back to like the first time I really, yes. I have a I have a comment to make. Yeah. So without you even talking about what you want to say, mm -hmm. I already noticed that your energy and your light is dimmer. Oh wow. So you have you, you have a different expression on your face mm -hmm. and you are already tense, I can tell. Yeah. And so when we're talking about how something impacts us, I can tell you right now that even if you don't know what you feel within your body, just even thinking about this already dimmed your your light. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's why I think I should bring it up, and mm -hmm. I'm comfortable putting it out there mm -hmm. because I have in other episodes. But I think the first time I started to go into um, fight or flight, like consistently, um, was probably my like first relationship, which I've spoken about. Um, because I remember it was like up until that point I dealt with stuff. I felt my emotions very fully and I, you know, I was, I dealt with all the normal things. But then when I hit that point, it was like the icing on the cake. Like it was just, I was in a state of anxiety 24-7. I remember because I got IBS. I was just, I just remember every second was anxiety because my ex could call me at any moment and ask me, millions of questions or be mad at me and I never knew if he was going to be mad or this or that and I had no like real positive like um image for what a good relationship was so of course I didn't know this was horrible but thinking back I was just in that state all the time so how is your body feeling as you're talking about it and that's where you kind of combine the knowledge of right. where do you feel tingling sensations do you feel your heart racing do you feel like you're not breathing the same where are you feeling it i feel yeah my breath is shallow and um i feel like this ha this is this is ongoing this isn't just when i'm talking about it and that's why i feel like physically i carry this with me still um my breath my breath is shallow unless i'm really thinking hard about it 
And then in my chest, I just feel like an ache, like in my heart, I guess. Um, and just honestly, like my whole torso feels like I'm just trying not to feel it. I'm trying to ignore it. Yeah. I can see the hurt in your eyes. <laughs> so um, I'm picking up on, on some of those things as well. And like I said, it's unbelievable how quickly your energy changed from uh, and you may not know that yeah. because you may not know that, but your energy changed from before the break and after the break because you already started thinking about it and you immediately your whole demeanor changed into this tense uh, individual that's sitting right there right now. <laughs> I, did, I think I, I've kind of just, I thought, you know, it's so far in the past. Like I don't care about the person or even want revenge or anything, but um, I think the only... Thing I feel is just mad that that was taken from me at such a young age and he was also older which is a whole other slew of shit so <laughs> so your your body keeps a score just yeah. like the book says yeah. so everything that ever happens to us sometimes we can't remember the memories we can't recall exactly who did or what was said or you know exactly the details but but our bodies remember that yeah. and our bodies will create problems diseases mm -hmm. because our bodies almost <laughs> i almost say it's like a haunted house yeah okay somebody Gosh. died and that body's all long gone but now you have a haunted house where this spirit this ghost is still in there trying to get some type of um what's the word redemption right some type of redemption some something this ghost is still looking to get closure and that's how it is with our bodies and trauma. When you get traumatized, your body is almost in the state of, it's like a house, mm -hmm. right? And the trauma might be long gone. It's long gone, but mm -hmm. it, your body remembers everything that happened to There's still a dent it. in the wall. There's yeah, a dent yeah. in the wall. There's some type of a, an image that's haunting you. There's, and so there's different signs in your body. And that's why when you're doing therapy and you talk about how does it feel today when you're talking about it? And then you can start working on healing your body and maybe slowing down the heart rate or maybe as you're talking about it, forgiving yourself that certain things happen. So as you, you know, through therapy, as you recall certain images or um, see how your body is still reliving some of the trauma, you can train your body to react differently. Mm. I think a part of that would be realizing what triggers me. And there are obvious ones, but I think there are also really quick, small ones that I might not even notice. So mm -hmm. I don't I don't even know where so, to go. So, you know, it's like with an elephant. You know, you try to eat an elephant, mm -hmm. a chocolate one, and you yeah. get overwhelmed because there's so much. Where do you start? Yeah. So just the same with this, you would, you, would you would start with one single feeling, you know, one single something that you're noticing. So with, with you... If you just think about maybe a certain situation and maybe there's a situation that happened, you mm -hmm. said there's a moment where you remember you changed completely from this happy-go-lucky person into this anxiety-consumed individual. Mm -hmm. So was there a specific situation that happened? Yeah, I, I remember it. Um, he accused me of... Uh like up until that point, it was like amazing. I was like, "This is the be he's the best guy ever. Everything's amazing. He Like it was amazing and then he accused me of um 
there was I was hanging out with my friends at the pool. Like this was back home in the Bahamas. We we stay at the pool in the beach all day <laughs> in our swimsuits. And there was a video my friend sent him of me in a, a bikini walking around. And then he was like, his friend told him, this is so fucked. But <laughs> his friend told him that no virgin wears that. I was like, ugh, I think I was like 15 or 14. And I and I didn't have sex yet. And and then he just got so mad and he was like, you lied to me and like all this stuff and like said I wasn't a virgin. And he's this guy is fucked. OK, this, <laughs> this is so messed up. But uh, yeah. And then after that, I remember I felt so guilty and I spent even though I didn't do anything. And also, if I wasn't a virgin, it's none of his business. And that's not a reason okay, to be so, mad at so me. So before you go in, yeah, any, yeah, yeah, anymore, yeah, yeah. OK, what are you feeling in your body as you're talking about it? Just getting amped up. You're getting amped chest, up yeah. in your chest, so you're feeling t tension in mm -hmm. your chest. Anything else? Mm, it's like a sinking feeling, and like a sinking feeling. Yeah. Okay. And you get angry at him, or you get a angry at yourself, bit. or both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of feelings that go with this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's just <laughs> when I brought in these quotes, I didn't think I'd be doing it. <laughs> But it's good. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think it's good to observe what you feel. So yeah. to me, it sounds like even though we sometimes say to ourselves, we're over something, it's in the past, you know, it may maybe five years ago, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. If it's still stirring up so many different emotions and so many even physical sensations in your body, then that means you have a ghost mm. that's haunting you still, mm. That's want, that wants some type of closure for, for, from this. How can I, I know this is jumping ahead, but how mm. do I even get closure? Because I don't want to speak to him. I feel of like it wouldn't not. be productive. Of course not. And it has nothing to do with him at this point okay. at all. It, it has to do with you experiencing the unfair treatment that he was giving you, which we would call abuse. He's accusing you of something that was not true. And so he created within you all kinds of emotions of feeling unfair. But you never went along with defending yourself. You went along with what his truth was. You allowed him to blame you and you started feeling guilty. Mm -hmm. So you accepted what he, what he was giving you. Mm -hmm. And in a way you, well, you accepted the lies that he was throwing at you and you sort of went along with it, right? So that created probably a lot of Almost inner turmoil. Inner turmoil. Because yeah, I'm mm -hmm. lying to myself. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I remember just defending it really hard. But mm -hmm. then in the end, I remember every time he'd get mad at me and accuse me of stuff, even though I know I, I would just say sorry because I just wanted to get back to things being good mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so you so you basically accepted that your place is to be verbally abused mm -hmm. and it was easier for you to give up on fighting this and just to get along, you just accepted that it was your fault. Yeah. So a part of you feels maybe wronged. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think would help to move forward? What does a wronged person, what do they, what do they usually need? I want to say revenge, but that's not helpful. Um, but I, I think there's always like that feeling of, oh, I wish I could just... You mm -hmm. know, um, there's some therapy exercises for that too. Mm. You can like writing a letter to him and burning it or something that would be helpful too, because mm. that would let you get the anger out. And, you know, and there's something very physical about anger. Yeah. So 
doing physical things that that would get the anger out. Sometimes people punch pillows, mattresses, you know, sign up for boxing, other things like that. But Mm. but even I'm just I'm just even talking about maybe something called forgiveness, because it Mm. sounds like a part of you feels like you were very wronged. But then you were only 15, so you couldn't have stood up for yourself because you you were not you you didn't even you couldn't have even known who you are at that time. Mm-hmm. So you went along with what his image of you was, and you basically kept apologizing to get along. Yeah. So I I think forgiveness does that ring a bell? Thinking about forgiveness in in any way, forgiving. Yeah, yourself. but I don't think I. I I think I can, I go back and forth with forgiving mm-hmm. myself, but forgiving him, I don't. No, no, no. I'm just talking about forgiving yourself. Oh, okay. Y- yeah, uh, I mean, forgiving him. Yeah, yes. By all means, if you want to, you can no go thanks. ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, forgiving myself. Mm. Yeah, I I look back and I just see myself. And I feel like I want to protect her mm-hmm. and and I couldn't I c- can't clearly, and I just try to be grateful and think like, oh, I learned like so much, but you know? it doesn't and it doesn't really relieve you of all of those emotions no. that you that you still have, mm-hmm. yeah, because it still shows up in every day like and uh, you know what I'm gonna read the other quote because it completely relates, okay, but Um, Go for it. He says, after trauma, the world is experienced with a different nervous system. The survivor's energy now becomes focused on suppressing inner chaos. He also goes on to explain, and then he goes on to explain how trying to control the inner chaos can lead to autoimmune diseases and chronic issues like chronic fatigue and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, really? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So then I'm thinking, have I just been in fight or flight for the past eight years? Is that why I have an autoimmune disorder now? You know, so actually, there's studies that show that your thyroid levels yeah. are lower in people who have went through trauma or are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. So, you're a lot more likely to experience issues with your thyroid when you have went through trauma. Fun. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy because I was in therapy like since then, like mm-hmm. even during the relationship, mm-hmm. I was in therapy, and it's like, did that not do anything? It probably, I mean, you tell me, you tell me, what do you think? I feel like I'm making the most headway in therapy now okay. than I ever did. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, when I think back to my therapy sessions I had during that relationship and like immediately after, it was very surfacey. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. talked about it, talked you could recall the details, but yeah. the therapist was not guiding you perhaps into the deeper levels of the feeling of that trauma and then trying to... Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was just kind of affirming, like, yes, that happened to you. Yes, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Now what Mm -hmm. do I do with that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and the interesting thing about it is, so I'm a nurse practitioner and a social worker, and I've done a lot of therapy with people, but now I I deal more with prescribing world and prescribing medications. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like it's two different hats that one would wear. And... The therapy world, if you really want to focus on just doing therapy, it's a very different mindset and a very different types of questions that, that you would be asking. And, you know, and it, yeah. so, so I'm, I'm going to say I'm a little out of practice mm-hmm. uh, with doing therapy. That's okay. But, but what I am going to say also is that the biggest expert on how much headway you made is you. Mm-hmm. And 
sometimes you can have a really sucky therapist and you will make a lot of headway because it's almost like you're ready to open up and yeah. you're ready to move forward. And then other times you're just not at that place yet. So you may be, oh, yeah. you may be kind of, you have to get there. And sometimes it takes years to get there. And you know what, what I think is part of the reason I may have taken a few steps back because I was in like, after that relationship, I remember I was so aware. I like, if a guy showed even one red flag, um, and I don't, I don't even think I went overboard with it. Look, cause at one point I was like, Oh, am I being too harsh? No, I wasn't. There was one guy who I noticed he was like watching what I was doing and I broke it off immediately. Like anytime I saw signs of that, I broke it off. But then there was a guy who was, he was just so good. Probably like almost like the, this version of the first boyfriend I had, but this one, he was, he was even better at it. And that was that was like you know in video games how you have like the the bosses and then you have the big boss he was like the big boss of the abuse cuz he was so good at hiding it and so emotionally intelligent that i fell for it and then i didn't realize until i was too deep how how long did it take you to realize it i think i started realizing it Six months in. Okay. Well, and we he was good. Usually people say three months, you know, three mm. months kind of people show you their true colors. Yeah. He held, he held it up for a while. And I remember the first incident was that he found out because I, I went to, I mean, the, the school I went to was kind of small, but, um, I had a really messed up experience. I guess that's all I'll say with a guy that he knew, mm -hmm. um, but I was really drunk one night. Um, and he found out about that and you can do the math there. And he got mad at me mm -hmm. for what happened to me. And he left my dorm and just left, like, didn't answer the phone. I was like, he just walked out. He was so mad at me. He's like, you didn't tell me this. Mm -hmm. was mad at me that this thing happened to me. Should have left and ended it right there, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I, it just kept going on. And that was kind of held over my head for the next two years. And, um, yeah, I think that was kind of like where I should have ended it and I didn't. Then it just kept adding up and getting, he would just lightly add on things to pick at me, to bring me down, to tell me I'm, you know, great. So that. how do you, where, so I went backwards. So we're no, I, I don't know that it was backwards. Yeah. Where do you feel that in your body as you're talking about it? For some reason, I feel calmer recalling this because I feel like I kept a level of self-awareness and I was aware that I was staying and and I kn knew it was wrong. But there was some there was some kind of inner power that stayed there versus when I was 15 in that relationship. I was completely vulnerable and completely victimized in that. relationship. Yeah, I was. Sure. But in this one, I kind of knew. Mm hmm. And I was just scared to leave versus I, yeah, I, I had more knowledge. And mm -hmm. I was literally studying psychology at the time. So well, yeah. we go into psychology to learn some more things about ourselves, right? Yeah. So anyways, so, so you feel a little <laughs> less tense. There's less physical symptoms as you're talking about that second instance of, of a relationship where... Either that or mm -hmm. I'm really numb to it. <laughs> or really numb to it at this time. Yeah. So... Um, Okay, well, let me uh, read another <laughs> Yeah. I think that 
kind of uh, we're gonna find the answers of yes. how to heal. But okay. but definitely trauma has so much to do with um, with people's physical experiences, and I don't doubt that your thyroid condition is at least triggered by mm-hmm. uh, by the abuse that you went through. And I thought that it would be really cool to also talk about some statistics. Okay. Um, let me see here. If I can find them. And you you can cut that part out because I'm I'm trying to find the statistics that I pulled up before and now I can't see them. Oh, you're good. <sighs> I'll write that down. <laughs> okay. So there, there are just different websites out there and all kinds of statistics. But yes, um, one of the stats that I thought was really interesting is that 70% of adults in the U.S. have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once in their lives. So that's about 223 million people. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really kind of sad when you think about it because now you, we know how how trauma can really impact our brain and our bodies yeah. and how we don't just move on from it like that and and how that lingers on for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So to know that so many people have been negatively impacted, that's horrible. <laughs> You're right. So in public behavioral health, over 90% of clients have experienced trauma. So basically saying that anybody that's, entered mental health treatments, 90% of those patients have experienced some type of trauma. Trauma is a risk factor in nearly all behavioral health and substance use disorders. So why do people reach for substances? A lot of the times it's because traumatic events happen to them, events that maybe they can't explain to themselves and they just don't know how to cope with it. So they go for alcohol or drugs or other things i know what's interesting about that Mm -hmm. is that when you take substances you're doing something with your body so that's almost like proving that point that this is something that lives in the body like even when i take advil i notice there's a numbing of a feeling inside and i feel like i can function a little better which is crazy because it's advil it's like the most basic you know pain meds anyway yeah no and so so getting good at um you know, figuring out yourself mm-hmm. would be would be something something good. So, for example, yeah. so some symptoms of trauma would be headaches, back aches, stomach aches, right? Mm-hmm. Sudden sweating or heart palpitations, uh, changes in sleep patterns, appetite, interest in sex, constipation or diarrhea. So just mm-hmm. just a number of symptoms that trauma can cause in people and then you might go to your primary care and then never mention the trauma right and get meds that will continue to numb you or create other severe side effects right and And so you you never address the core issue and sometimes people don't even know like for example let's Mm -hmm. just take your example you were 15 when this happened to you and let's just and you started apologizing to your partner for really nothing that you did that was wrong. You just started apologizing because it would make the fight go away. Right. It would so, stop but what if, 
What if you never learned from this and you kept on staying with that same partner or you kept on staying with people that would do the same and you kept on thinking it was normal? Probably would be worse worse off than I am. Physically, I'm sure that you would be because your body would keep reacting to all these different traumas. And at some point you wake up and and you're like, oh my gosh, I have blood pressure issues. I might have weight problems. I might have sleep issues. Mm -hmm. I might have... My hormonal system might be completely out of whack, right? Maybe all kinds of issues that you have, but maybe you never connected to your trauma. You just think you're just really sick because mm. you keep lying to yourself and never wanting to see the original cause of all of this. Wow. And women are so good, you know, and some men are so good at really accepting um, the abusers and just carrying on as if I think that it's was their socialized. Fault. I remember I actually remember thinking to myself as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, when I'm in a relationship, I'm just going to, you know, like if I can just be perfect, then I'll never get broken up with. And I really thought that as a kid. And I think I went into that first relationship with that I'm going to be perfect and that's a bit of the perfectionism, which is a whole other thing. Um and I thought, you know, if I can just n- be perfect, I wouldn't I wouldn't have to suffer and be left because of course in movies that was shown as being the worst possible thing that could happen is you're broken up with. So I think that led me to making those decisions as well because I thought I was doing the right thing. I was being perfect. Absolutely. I think, you know, going along with the societal pressures and staying in a relationship is something that we're all kind of taught. Yeah. So, you especially know, I, women, especially women. And I remember kind of similarly to you when I was 15, Uh, One of my teachers was talking to me and and saying uh, that either her or one of her friends was getting divorced. And I remember making some type of a comment along the lines of, oh, you know, if they could just try harder, they probably wouldn't really be getting divorced. And and she took kind of like paused for a second, looked at me and said, you know, something along the lines of that. Sometimes we don't realize how hard things are until we go through them. And I, and, you know, and I don't remember too much from my, from my childhood or my teenage years yeah. because I don't know why I just don't have too many memories. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I just remember that. And I remember thinking to myself, huh, you know, maybe she's right. Maybe, maybe sometimes things are not easy as they look, you know. And yeah. then I remember thinking about it when I was getting divorced and, Remember that I tried everything in my power to stay with the other person and sometimes it just doesn't work, right? Yeah. So sometimes it's easy to judge or to, you know, to we think of something one way when we are young and we carry that, that specific image with us and then we realize, oh, wait, like the it doesn't schemas. work. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, being perfect doesn't always work, you know? <laughs> That's why I feel like it's so important to have, like, adults that you can speak to. yes. That are and like speak to. I feel like when we're kids, we're just raised to just adults are right, there's no questioning, especially in my culture. Yes, um, and I feel like we should be a little bit skeptical mm-hmm. because then if I was skeptical of that messaging, I could have gone to like my mom or something and been like, Hey, is it true that like you know, if I'm just perfect, I'll never get left? And she probably would have been like, No, like sometimes bad things happen and people have to, you know break up yeah. but but even maybe when you were going through these experiences if you had trusted adults and people that you felt comfortable with talking about yeah. those different things maybe you would have said hey my boyfriend said this and this to me what do you think about this mom 
I when the thing was I I and I later on I realized that it was wrong and I stopped sharing about it. I see. And then at the end, um, we went on. He met my my sisters mm-hmm. and we went on like this ski trip. Mm-hmm. And my sister witnessed it, and mm. I just told her everything, and it was like a light bulb went off. Good for you. Yeah. That you finally did that. Yeah. Sounds like. Sounds like you just maybe needed someone around to I be needed around support you because mm-hmm. it was a per like I know I'm talking and I'm not going no, into no, my you're body good, you're good <laughs> but it was the perfect storm mm-hmm. I was moving to the states I was completely isolated I had no friends yet I didn't trust anyone yet I didn't have a therapist mm-hmm. I didn't even have my parents mm-hmm. he had the perfect recipe to mold and mend mold, like to mold me into whatever he wanted mm-hmm. and I was young and stupid <laughs> No need to uh, to to um, offend yourself. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was young and naive, mm-hmm. like all of us vulnerable. are. Vulnerable, and yeah. I think we just need to accept that that's part of our growing up. Yeah, but I also thought that this was really cool over here. So I'm gonna read you an, another yeah. little part. So body memories. Often the body remembers what the conscious mind is unable to tolerate. So basically. You know, our body will remember things that maybe our conscious mind, like when we're on our awareness mind going day to day, we just don't want to remember it. But our body will continue remembering it. This is a protective mechanism for young children to escape the actual experience of their traumatic abuse. So they might even develop traumatic amnesia. Mm -hmm. The client may often obscure the regressive experience by having only foggy details. So... At this point, a therapist would be asking, what is your body remembering? And that's when you get into maybe noticing the tingling sensations or different things that are happening in your body. And sometimes you can't just answer with, you know, right away. It takes time sometimes to to really sit down and think about it. What does my body remember? And it's not really, you know, sometimes people talk about therapists trying to create trauma and trying to yeah. blame other people for, you know, things that happen to people. But... It's really for you. It's not for you to remember some type of trauma that happened and name names and go and persecute somebody. It's just for you to get better. Mm -hmm. So when you ask yourself, you know, what are you experiencing in your body right now? uh, That might help you just sort of notice some memories and then explore them and then then see what really your body remembers. Mm. And then, uh, you know, sometimes people feel... And even notice tightening fists, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe your body still carries a lot of anger. Did you? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, Sometimes people will cross legs or tighten, you know, just just they feel closed off, right? So Mm -hmm. when we when we do some of that, there might be some coughing or choking because maybe somebody went through sexual abuse that involved those areas. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people will put their hand over their mouth because they just they just feel like they can't talk about it. It's a secret. You know, they've never talked about it. So. Mm-hmm. so so, just noticing all these different things then helps you link it to the feelings. And then at some point, you'll be letting go of some of those feelings, forgiving yourself and accepting yourself the way that you are and noticing what a beautiful being you are. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. And, you know, one other question that I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. So as you go through noticing what 
how your body feels and what sensations different body parts have and what memories your body has later on you also it's very helpful when you ask yourself what conclusion or belief did you make about yourself when you were a little girl or a little mm. boy when it happened to you or when you were you know 15 years old so what did you start thinking of yourself when he was you know screaming at you telling you that you were not a virgin that you know what what did you think of yourself in that moment that i just like i i wasn't good enough i wasn't perfect mhm yeah mhm and then when you believed that you were not perfect what decision did you make about yourself your decision about how to behave i basically suppressed anything that was true to myself to please him yeah and then you would maybe even ask yourself if that shadow part of you mm-hmm. if you could give it a name what would that name be the part of me that that didn't talk and suppressed and if you wanted to because it kind of like it, it's it, there's no name it's just a quiet part of you i quiet sophie i guess quiet sophie she's suppressed and she's suppressed yeah mhm mm-hmm. yeah so you know you would then give back responsibility to the abuser you would acknowledge that you're innocent mm-hmm. right and that the uh, abuser was grooming you to be a certain way so he yeah. was coaching you he was he was doing this for months to make you into whoever he wanted you to be and you just you just have to sort of somewhere in there tell the quiet sophie sophie you're mm-hmm. innocent yeah you know you're my baby you're innocent and i love you and i'm sorry that you didn't have the words to speak up at that time but we're never going to stay quiet again We know we're going to talk. No, I'm definitely not quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> no. So um So basically, you know, you also then we talk about healing the inner child. Mm-hmm. So when you see the quiet Sophie, maybe she's still 15 and you have to sort of talk to her and and use positive affirmations and sh- maybe shower her w- with love. What yeah. would what would quiet Sophie need? friends support mm-hmm. um good affirmations mhm time for fun honestly playtime mm-hmm. because i feel like that was such a time where i should have been having fun playing games being a teenager and i was just trying to be perfect all the time mm-hmm. it's just such a shitty thing mhm yeah Honestly just like childhood shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just that's what she means. So knew. you could also use if whether you're in therapy or not. You yeah. could use uh visualization exercises. So you would picture your quiet Sophie and you would picture her as healthy, maybe surrounded by friends. Mm. Picture her health, you know, just picture her the way that you want you would want her to be. And maybe you would even talk to her like a parent would and you you know the older Sophie within you would would say to her listen you were 15 years old i love you you know and and you would maybe go for a walk in in your mind's eye or you would mm-hmm. play at the beach or do something that you would enjoy you would let her be free you would let yeah. her talk you would let her be who she wanted to be it was interesting because after that relationship like literally when it ended um my sister was with me and she was like we're going to do something crazy and then we went and i was in the staying i was with her at the place where I dealt with all this stuff which was all over 
the foam, to be honest. And we we ran through sprinklers at Yay. night and like did dumb mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's that awesome. Was fun. Yeah. So you know, in the healing process, you know, it's never just a straight linear. shot. It's mm-hmm. not linear, right? So you kind of go back and forth, and sometimes you have to revisit different parts. But but the power of our mind is so overwhelming because in a way if you're thinking about your trauma it's an image now mm-hmm. and that image brain scans are showing is still triggering different physiological responses in your body can i have a brain scan you you could how do i go about this <laughs> I, well there's there's aim at clinic and they advertise a lot uh doing brain imaging for folks that might experience different mental health problems uh, and some people say that it's very helpful for them to see, mm. you know, the brain and what it does and different. Like uh, they show in colors different areas of your brain that might be lighting up or, Not or what's lighting going up on. Enough. Yeah. But, you know, but but when you think about it, you realize that an image can cause physiological reactions in your brain, in your mm. body. So then if you can just create a positive image, so whenever you visualize or see in your, you know, traumatic image, if you can visualize something positive, see what I mean? Then Mm -hmm. you can create more positive responses from your body. So then you can, in a way, control your fight or flight because you talked about, you know, how many years maybe you have lived in a fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And so... Fight or flight response will lead to adrenal fatigue, for example, because your body will be so exhausted from producing high levels and high numbers of different hormones um, that would be produced by your body when there's crisis. So if you're constantly sort of haunted by the images of trauma, you might be living in a in a perpetual state of fight or flight. So so how do you get out of yeah. it? Yeah. Weed? (laughs) I said weed. (laughs) Well, maybe one way for some people. And then another way, because, you know, any substances, they numb you, but they don't resolve the original issue. So what you would do is you you could use the uh, visualizations to... So it's sort of like a meditation, but also with a spin of visualizing. What's an example of that? Like, is it, you know, if I picture his face in my head, do I picture myself kicking that away and being happy and like I, I like that image <laughs> that's what I did because I realized I thought about his face so I was like ew and then I saw myself just being happy and with friends and mm-hmm. like the happy memories that happened around that time and so I like to do visualizations where I let go without anger because mm-hmm. as long as you're holding on to anger there's a negative energy in your body and that will create something some type of a negative physiological process. Mm. So I like to let go without uh, without any negativity that would linger for me. So so when I think of, of someone that caused me trauma or uh, was in some way unfair to me, I like to tell them, I let you go with peace. Mm. And so if you f- see someone's face that you that you were hurt by that person, you can say, I let you go with peace. I no longer need you. Mm-hmm. I relinquish you. You have no power over me now. Mm. Because you you really, you know, why would you let your abuser continue to have power over you? Yeah. Why would you let your abuser and the images of them cause me physiological responses, autoimmune (laughs) issues, uh, blood pressure issues, you know, cholesterol issues, any any type of things like that. So it's easier said than done, but it's not impossible. And just like 
eating certain types of foods because we want to get healthier. It's the same thing with this. We choose healthier thoughts. And so you choose to let him go. And, and I even say, be happy somewhere else. I wish you well. You know, I hope you grow to my abuser in my head. I hope mm. you grow. I let you go. You have. Do I have to hope that? Can I just no, say I let you go? To. You have no power over you me. You have no power over me, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so you can, and maybe instead of kicking them, which also would <laughs> cause probably some type of a physiological response, mm-hmm. you can picture them disappearing like a ghost, just gone. Or you can picture them getting smaller and smaller to the point of being a mouse, and you can squash them. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, evil. both I feel like have the physical. <laughs> that's evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had an evil spin it's better on than it. actually doing it <laughs> <laughs> had an evil spin on it so yeah. um so there's a lot of talk in the hypnosis world there's because it's visualization and hypnosis is very linked together so whenever you go through trauma there's a lot of images that people will see but there's also these memories in your body that you have mm-hmm. so then you have to work in therapy on unlinking because let's just say somebody was abused sexually okay now this person enters a healthy relationship where they are not abused sexually, but they might be still triggered by certain types of touches or yep. uh, people talking to them a certain way. So, so therapy comes in handy for this because you don't want to let that abuser ruin have, your sex life exactly and have power over you mm. over you for the rest of your life or make your husband unhappy because you can't uh, engage in a healthy sexual um, behavior, right? So so hypnosis talks a lot about how to unlink these different memories in your body and and how to have a more productive, healthier life. I like that. So, yeah, so there's a lot of talk about, you know, the, cool. the um, creating adult parent-child relationships. So you're so you can if you talked about the quiet Sophie, you could sort of create an adult in your head like the older Sophie, who would then have a very healthy relationship Um with the younger Sophie, mm. you know, I like that. and using positive images, positive, positive reinforcement, yeah. things like that. So my naked truth today is that I need to focus on the way my emotions and trauma feel in my body. And it is just as important as talking about it. I need to work on being present and breathing deeper. Mindfulness exercise, I agree. Yeah. And I think journaling, people don't realize how journaling can be yeah. so helpful and it is I, especially for people that are creative i stopped journaling oh like for the past two months i don't know why i i just neglected it it's bad well maybe start with what do you feel in your body and then yeah it's hard work sometimes though so it people is, sometimes yeah. avoid it because it's just too much and yeah. that's okay too it's okay to take a break from sometimes i open trauma. the journal and i write i don't want to write in this journal today <laughs> that's okay you can do that you can do that yeah uh, sometimes you know it's the same the same naked truth for me sometimes i i like journaling but sometimes i feel like i have nothing to say and so what i say is like hey god what's up today yeah do you have any any messages from me i would love any dreams that mm. would happen that would give me an idea of i don't know something that maybe i need to be aware of that's yeah. cool so. is that your naked truth today that's as naked as I'm going to get today. So Got yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure to leave a five-star review so that we can be found. And a reminder that Alicia's practice is located in Columbus, Ohio, and you can text or call at, what's the number? 614-371-2303. And then you can get scheduled for an in-person or a telehealth visit. 
Yay. Yay. <laughs>